Now in their second season, Leadership of Belief with more cigar knowledge and more leadership insights. Two great leaders smoking great cigars. Here's our host, Austin and Dice. Grab a drink and jump in with a cut and a light. All right. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Leadership of the Leaf. My name is Dice. And I'm Austin. All right, Mr. Austin, my yeah. friend. Yes, we, have a, we, have a, we have a good show today. I'm I'm actually excited about this show. Um, very it, it I, the cigar topic is uh, it's a great one. I love it. I think it's very it'll create a lot of different ideas. We're probably gonna get some hate for the cigar topic because of what we're gonna say. Um, you know, but the leadership <laughs> topic uh, I'm excited for. I cannot wait to get into the leadership topic. But first, let's go cigar topic. We're going to talk about how to pick the right cigar for you. Okay. that That's a pretty open door, open window. It, uh, 100%. So speaking of that, so then you picked a cigar for tonight, and which cigar did you pick? I picked da, 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 Leaf by Oscar Sumatra. How about you? Now, uh, you know what? I, I picked the same one. Oh, ho, ho, look at that. Leaf by Oscar Sumatra. Matra. Right. So, what do you put? What uh, what Hennessy are you pairing that with? Well, I know Sumatra tend to go to the Swedish, not sweet side. I don't want to say sweet. I don't want people to think it's sweet. But it's normally more okay, sweet. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I went with a regular Hennessy, the VS, okay. um, Simply because it's, it's creamy on the palate, has a vanilla and floral tone, and I think it would pair well with this cigar. And I'm having it neat, no ice. Mm, mm, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I am pairing it with uh, Jameson. Jameson, yeah. Mm, yeah, it was a uh, it's a lighter whiskey and uh, doesn't have that that peatiness of as like a Scotchwood that would might overpower this. Um, the flavors of a Sumatra, so I wanted to really just kind of make my drink choice the background and not the forefront. I wanted the cigar to be on the forefront. Okay, so we're smoking the same cigar, but we're drinking two almost opposite drinks. Yeah, or opposite spectrums. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting when, once we start talking about our first and second thirds. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this works out, especially since. Our palates are so much different. I mean, they're, that's true. I mean, this is this will be proof of what we have told you guys in the past. <laughs> Everybody's palate is different. And that being said, when you have different palates, people are going to choose different cigars. That's true. And that that goes right into the topic for choosing. That was a great segue. Yes, yeah, that, that worked out. Choosing, mm. the, choosing the perfect cigar for you. Yeah. Choosing the right cigar for you specifically. Yeah. Okay. So what's, what is the first thing that you do when you go to look for a cigar? Well, let, let's, let's fall back a little bit. So we're talking about me uh, and, and yourself. We are, I wouldn't say we're novices. I wouldn't say we're beginners at this anymore. I wouldn't say I'm a seasoned veteran expert either. No, but I, if I go into a brick and mortar or whatever, I have a better idea of what I'm looking for than. Right. 
Okay, so I guess the first level there would be uh, what level of cigar smoker are you? Right. So you got to keep that in mind when searching out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, so when I when I was first getting into cigars, right, I had no idea what the hell I was actually smoking. I, you know, I've told this story before. Um, you know, I used to pick up Gurkhas because I was like, yeah, this is what. It, that's what it's supposed to be like and and no idea what i was actually fucking doing um yeah now you know i've I, now that i've done this i've branched out i've gotten uh you know some some wrappers and i put some smoke in the air um yeah. you know i i understand a little bit more about what my palate likes what my body likes uh you know how much of a head rush i get stuff like that what what i'm i'm looking for and tends to flavors uh you know the strength the finish is a long finish is a short finish um those sorts of things those are all things you have to take into consideration you know you talk about flavors okay sumatra we went with sumatra over a connecticut right so sumatra Sumatra. Yeah, like sweet, where Connecticut is more of a mellow and have a, uh, I want to say more of a robust, mellow undertone to a it. Cr- to where creamy, it's, yeah. It's not going to be sweet. It's going to be more uh, uh, somewhat chewy, creamy, chewy. Yeah. And more subtle, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely way more mild. Uh, definitely a lot less of a kind of a kick in the teeth type thing not saying sumatra is a kick in the teeth don't get don't get it twisted <laughs> but like, i thought these guys knew about cigars well, i'm just saying <laughs> that a, a sumatra versus connecticut one one has a little bit more oomph than the other right not right. saying all connecticut's are like that because there are definitely connecticut shit like shades and broadleafs that i'm like oof <laughs> that hit um but those also have different binders and fillers and everything else so so but the flavors though are something you know the the hey i don't want toasted nuts and and graham cracker so i want something a little bit more different well like you you don't like cedar so naturally you're not gonna migrate to a cedar heavy cigar so that you definitely wouldn't be looking for that flavor but for me right. i i don't mind a little bit of cedar i'm gonna shy away from white pepper I'm going to shy away from really any of the peppers. I prefer more of the umami fig, uh, I guess more like a vanilla tone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mind a little bit of cedar, but like when you get into something like the Cedrus by... um, Southern Draw. The Southern Draw, yeah. So Southern Draw has the Cedrus. Um, it, 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 it was overpowering. The cedar was so overpowering. Obviously, it's named Cedrus, you know. Um, it just kind of turned me off of it. Uh, so, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to go back and I'm not probably not going to pick up that cigar again. Now, I do know other people that are like, this is my favorite cigar. I love how strong the cedar is. And I love the other nuances that, you know, the cedar brings out. Uh, that's not me. That's not my my cup of tea. Right. Whereas someone else might like it. So one of the selections of trying to help pick out the right cigar for you or for our listeners is flavor the next one more than likely it's going to be strength is uh strength is like how much nicotine is actually in that cigar right right is it is it going to punch you in the mouth uh with flavor is it going to give you a head rush while you're sitting there smoking it um 
you know is it what is what's what's going to happen um you know and it's a little bit more difficult to gauge strength uh you know they have that medium to full the lights you know fuller body that sort of stuff and that's great but i've smoked um i've smoked a a maduro that had good flavors but its strength was not that great it was like a five on a scale and then i smoked a connecticut um like a connecticut shade and it was it's had mute more nuanced flavors but it's it's nicotine level was like an eight it's strength level is like an eight punched me in the mouth yeah uh you know and i got a head rush um one of the ones that brings to mind the strength at least is the ep carrillo's uh the pledge yeah uh ep uh padron black that was yeah. pretty strong um uh, the, that's ton some brick mortars they will have like a little sign or something posted to try to tell you if it's full or medium right uh, but a, a rule of thumb not always true make sure i say but a rule of thumb the darker the cigar typically it's going to be a stronger cigar right yeah and and you know that kind of goes also the same thing into uh the the finish you know usually i've noticed darker cigars have tend to have a longer finish they they stay on my palate a lot longer um yes there was i think it, was, it wasn't a patron black maybe it was the ep creo when i had it uh mm-hmm. i could still taste it like that morning i was like oh oh it's time to brush these curlies again yeah and again and then, again <laughs> and then drink some coffee and then do it again correct yeah that was uh, definitely a long finish sir yeah i was actually I was just talking with a guy um and he said i don't smoke cigars very long very much because i don't he he so he blends he's a rum distiller um and he said if he smokes a cigar he gets it's like he can't try to blend and distill and taste rums for like three days because it throws his palate off for like three days um so then I started asking. Him, I was like, "Well, what what kind of cigars do you smoke?" Like, what? and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah a Placencia," you know. And I was like, oh, "You chose like?" He's like, "That's my favorite." And I was like, "Yeah, it has also has like the longest finish ever. <laughs> One of the longest finish." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh really? So what should I smoke?" And I said, "Listen, if you want to smoke, I was like, and you're you're worried about palate trauma and stuff like that." And I was like, "I would find you a nice Connecticut. Maybe start with like a Camacho Connecticut." or or a leaf by oscar connecticut or something like that i would do one of those that has it's a lighter wrapper more nuanced flavors but also has a shorter finish and he's like oh, i might give that a shot so we'll see who knows but uh, right. yeah he yeah he's like yeah when he said placentia i was like <laughs> okay well, no wonder you can't taste anything for three fucking days <laughs> it's like all right got it <laughs> makes sense so now we kind of have a direction that we're where we're going we we have a certain flavor we want we know what strength we want and you know we don't want uh you know we know what finish we want on the end of that cigar so you have to like put a combination code of all those together to select the cigar that you're looking for abs yeah absolutely um the next thing i think we should consider is how much time you got yeah, that plays a very important part because a petite Corona is going to last a lot shorter in time than uh, Churchill. And those are sizes I'm referring to, the sizes and ring gauge. Right. So, you know, I, 
nub it brings to mind nub right nub is those it's i don't want to say it's like a, a gimmick or anything but nub is a very particular brand of cigar it's it you can you, when you see it you're like oh, that's a nub um and most people think that those are like a 30 minute smoke no those things last for like an hour and a half because they're <laughs> yeah. so thick they might be short but they're thick yeah they they are filled very well very um, well filled yeah uh so but then you go into uh like a robusto okay a robusto is going to be a lot shorter of a time than a toro or a grand toro um you know and so you got to look into the size the ring gauge hell we we talked about lonsdales yes you know they that went quicker it was a longer cigar but it went quicker than a normal toro that we tend to smoke Oh, because it didn't have the the ring gauge size as uh, what we usually smoke, so it had less filler, which caused it to burn a little quicker because of the wrapper. Right, exactly. So, so that's something you take into consideration. Um, you know, I know a lot of pe- individuals, uh, and I actually enjoy this. Um, if you're going out for a small, a like, hey, I don't have a whole lot of time. I try to get cigarillos. I've gotten uh, Undercrown Shade cigarillos. And I loved them because they're like a 10 minute smoke. You know, yeah. there's nothing bad about it. It's just a quick little easy puff puff. All right, cool. I feel better. Boom, done, easy. Versus pulling out an undercrown like Toro. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's gonna, I'm gonna be there for like the next hour. Yeah, I know if the wife actually says she's gonna sit out back with me if, if I'm sitting outside to smoke a cigar, I, she doesn't want to sit out there that long. So I'm uh, conscious of her time. So I bought the ones that are in the tins, the petite Coronas yeah. that you can get in the tins, uh, yeah. which is a nice little handy thing. And then you can keep the tins and put them on your wall or something. I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> so money, man. I don't. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like it, the time, is all up to you guys how much time how much of a meditation do you need right then well that's the way i kind of look at it also plays a part in uh weather i mean if it's like 20 (laughs) to zero to (laughs) negative five below or some shit like that then yeah and you're smoking outside you ain't gonna be smoking (laughs) long homie (laughs) so they got they got the even the smaller smaller ones out there i think i've seen one that's called like a pencil uh i don't know there's just some yeah there's some small ones out there smaller than a petite corona wow but bigger than a cigarillo interesting i'll check those out so all right so we know how long we've been smoking so we gotta understand our bodies uh we got our flavors our strength our finish our time last thing in my mind is uh how much can i spend without the wife getting pissed off there you go that's normally how I start my process. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look at everything like under five bucks, like because that's all I got. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, figure the rest out later. Uh, I think I went in one time with like twenty twenty dollars and some change or whatever, and uh, the guy at the counter who started laughing. I was like, I gotta keep the wife happy. He was like, well, I don't know what you're gonna get for that. And then he showed me. <laughs> I can't remember what he showed me, but it was real okay. nice. I get like two cigars. 
four if I get like bargain brands, okay? <laughs> Give me some factory smokes. And leave me alone. Give me three factory smokes and a charter oak. All right, and I'm done. <laughs> and I went over budget. Shit. <laughs> so money's definitely going to play a part because uh, you, was, you was teasing factory select. What is it? Uh, uh, factory. Factory smokes. Factory smokes. Yeah. And then you can go all the way up to what? fucking opus x oh, yeah the the unicorn um by dumbarton tobacco yeah what's that a yeah. hundred bucks it's a hundred bucks opus x is usually somewhere between 50 like i don't know i've seen from anywhere from 50 to like 75 um you know davidoff you go looking at davidoff so you're, you're gonna pay a pretty penny league of provadas you're gonna pay a pretty penny um you know a nice leaf by oscar which we're smoking i think uh today i actually paid like eight bucks for this nine bucks for this wow that was good that's yeah, it was great it was great deal. That was like uh, yeah i think i paid 13. Uh, i wasn't upset so I, I was like man sure um a little bit surprised <laughs> by the price so i was like all right sure <laughs> suckers yeah <laughs> losers <laughs> But uh, yeah, so are you in your first third? I'm almost, almost there. You know what? Let's let's do this. Let's let me get one more good puff in here. All right, all right. I'll t- I'll talk about what I got, and then you uh, puff puff and tell us. Tell me what you get. All right. Fair. Okay. So I'm getting natural tobacco. I think black and white pepper. And just a touch of cedar in the back end. Okay, I, I can I can see where you're going, and I and I think I know how how it changed a little bit for me. All right, so I, I'm definitely getting the, the natural tobacco. That's that's obviously yeah. there. Right. Um. Um. It's a slight milk chocolate with some white pepper notes, but my secondary notes in the background is citrus and, and i think my secondary notes is what's playing apart from what you're drinking to what i'm drinking i get a little bit of the chocolate i don't really get citrus though i don't get it like a citrusy thing but then again you're drinking a floral citrusy type drink mine is not that like super citrusy yeah it's not no, bringing citrus- it to the front Citrus is a very faint uh, undertone of uh, regular Hennessy mixed with that floral background and the forefront is like a vanilla. So, and it's creamy on the palate, which is also can mirror with why I don't have the mix of black pepper. I have more of a white pepper than I do black pepper. Uh, the black pepper is only there on like the retro hail. Mm. Like, so when I rush, like, I get, I get more white pepper. And then I retrohale and I'm like, oh, well, there's some black pepper right back there too. You definitely retro it more than I do. Well, eh, you know, I'll try. It <laughs> opens up my olfactory senses. <laughs> Old throw, some, throw some big, throw some big words in there and make make people think I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Trust me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> sure you do. Sure you do. Sure. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's Leaf by Oscar's. Uh. One a, a really great, great brand. Um. If you've never s- smoked them, yeah, try it. Don't 
Like, actually give it a Wait, shot. I, I have something to say about if you had never smoked a leaf by Oscar. I have yeah. something <laughs> to announce to people. Oh, I've geez. heard it before, and I, I, have, I, I was, like, still, appalled. Still think there's a special place in hell for what you're about to say. <laughs> the leaf by Oscar comes wrapped Set. in a tobacco leaf. Like, it's a gimmick. I would say it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. 100% it it's a gimmick. Definitely caught my eye. It's not wrapped in cellophane. Yep. It is a leaf, a tobacco a leaf. A tobacco leaf. Don't cut the tobacco leaf and try to start smoking it from there. Remove the outer tobacco leaf and reveal the beautiful cigar underneath. For the I love of everything. I swear to God, if we get a comment <laughs> and said, I tried to leave by Oscar, you guys are idiots. This thing is loose blah 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 and then like the the rapper fell off i'm be like because the hell was the rapper asshole <laughs> like it's a hideous looking cigar you guys are idiots <laughs> i hate all of you Ugh, all the people that do that just drive me up up a wall um it i they you know i've seen people go like try to get it sold to them at a brick and mortar and they're like, no, I don't want that. That thing looks ugly. It's all sin. I was like, you realize that's a gimmick, right? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, that leaf on the outside, right? And they have the band <laughs> around it. And he goes, yeah. I was like, that is the uh, the cellophane, if you will, protecting the cigar on the inside. And he's like, no way. I was like, motherfucker, dude. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, please, 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 please. Uh, pull off the outer leaf uh, to expose the beautiful cigar within because if you cannot see the the beautiful cigar within um, you're you're doing something wrong um, so yeah that's that's what we got there but I, I, I like the I like the flavors I, I we're getting very similar palette flavors palette notes but it's just a little bit different with our pairings correct which brings up a great segue and you're good at this i'm fucking amazing isn't it <laughs> some other factors to take into consideration when selecting a cigar i get better with age <laughs> it's pairings what are you Stop gonna it. pair it Stop with it. <laughs> listen well, I, yeah if you get uh, literally my wife asked me to um she goes hey you're, you're you guys do the podcast you're right you're gonna smoke with dice i was like yeah yeah yeah. i gotta smoke and she's like well what are you gonna drink with it i was like, "Ooh, that is a good question i was like i what what am i gonna drink with this so i went to my little bar area and i was looking at what i have and i was like oh jameson got it that's what i want and she's like are you sure we have i still have some aberfeldy scotch and i was like um no because I, that's gonna overpower my cigar and i don't want i don't want it to have and like affect how I taste this cigar because I haven't smoked one of these in a while. So I want to make sure I get the correct notes. I want to make sure I get everything that it can. Exactly. Well, you you decided to pair your cigar with, you decided to pair your drink with your cigar instead of the other way around. Some people right. probably have uh, an espresso, cappuccino, chocolate milk. I've seen Dr. Pepper. I've, uh, I've seen Dr. Pepper. People who don't... Uh, I usually see that in people who don't drink alcohol. Um, Dr. Pepper is very complex with its uh, flavors. Um, you know, it's got 23 flavors, right? So, <laughs> 11 that one, spices. 
it's <laughs> it's hard to you know pull out the flavors of your cigar when you're also trying to fight through what t- what is dr pepper tasting you know what does that taste like well now now that I, I smoke a cigar how does it change how does everything change it's something to take into consideration so pairing is an option um, one that I actually take into consideration when selecting is time of day. Okay. So explain that one to me because I'm interested. I think I know where you're going with it, but I want to know. I want to. Hey, if I'm going to smoke a cigar while I'm watching the sunrise in the morning and I'm coffee, which has nothing to do with this cigar selection because I'm going to drink the coffee regardless. I, right. I like to go with uh, smaller cigars, like more, maybe like a Robusto in the morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And if, if I'm in the evening time and I'm going to sit outside with music blasting and the temperature is like perfect, I probably pick up a Churchill or one of those fucking Asylum 13s or something Jesus, like that. Jesus, eight by eighties. Fuck that. <laughs> no, no, not, not that big. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you you like them big, don't you? <laughs> Six by 60, that's it. That's <laughs> the highest I can go. Eight by 80, <laughs> dice. I didn't know that thing was bigger than you are. <laughs> you go to, was the April Fool's one nine by ninety? Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the There's Woody no, man. No joke. No joke. No Smoke joke. No, <laughs> or like the egg, you know? Was that who was that? Drew Estate. Drew Estate had an egg. Yeah, Drew Estate with the egg. Have you never seen the egg? It literally goes <laughs> from from I think like a fifty two and a blah like blows up like a balloon literally looks like it has an egg in the middle of the cigar <laughs> and it, i think the ring gauge at the biggest is like it's like over a hundred yeah so it's it's almost like two inches around and then it goes back down into like a normal like 50 type ring gauge I swear to god i'm like this thing is stupid but it's, it was a gimmick and it sold and it, it did well but we, uh, yeah, we, we got to do an episode with the egg what just different type cigar period maybe the egg calibre Ooh, you know what i do have a calibre in my in my humidor you actually have one. Oh, nice um, i do um yeah i got it from uh i got it from grand saber cigars it was All part right. of a it was part of a giveaway thing that they were doing and and they sent me two other cigars and then a calibre i was okay. like i i will smoke three cigars at once i'm good with this We'll uh, save that one. We'll, we'll we'll have a special episode for it. I go find I'll find something a cleaver or the egg or I'll find something different. Yeah. Um. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> what? How much is it? The egg. Yeah. Uh, Are okay. you looking it up? Uh, hundred percent. I am looking it up right now. <laughs> you hear him? Uh, He's it's, looking it up. I <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. This is on just a quick Google search. Oh, that's not bad. It's a it's twenty bucks. Normally about twenty five, but they have it on sale for twenty bucks. Okay, off this one website. Um, yeah. So it goes to a sixty, and then it just it blooms into something huge. (laughs) Um. Anyway, yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where you know I've seen it. Um, I'd like to see you smoke the uh, the Woody. That's not happening. Why not? That's not happening. <laughs> that's, that's, too, that's too much for me, sir. If if anyone does not know what a what what the what a what is what the what is the cigar, <laughs> please tell me, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what a what is, um, <laughs> you only you see it help. in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> you need help. Um, 
But the <laughs> the Woody, the cigar, the Woody is like two feet long. <laughs> it takes. I think people sat there and they they like it takes like eighteen hours to smoke. Oh my god. Like and what? What would you cut it with? I guess you have to use a regular. Like, I mean, it's a normal. Um, it's a normal ring gauge. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, is it? Well, I'm I'm just thinking it is not. Uh, it is know. a it's a twenty one by one hundred. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's fifty dollars. Oh, okay. This one. So they. So I, I misspoke. Somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five hours to smoke. All right. I don't have that much time. Four okay, to five I, hours. I do, but I'm not going to. I want to just sit down one day when we, you and me, have literally nothing else to do, <laughs> and like nothing, no other commitments, and just smoke Bla- it. Just blast that thing up, huh? Jesus. <laughs> uh, it doesn't fit in humidor, so we'd have to like literally get it and then be like, "All right, cool, let's just go ahead and smoke this." <laughs> so, what did what did you get in your third eighteenths? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> By a hundred, hundred inches long, Jesus. right? Yeah. No right. way. That can't be right. You said by a hundred. You said a hundred, right? Yeah, that's what they twenty-one by a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. the length of a cigar is in inches. So yeah. Where the ring gauge is what one sixty-fourth. Yeah, it's one sixty-fourth. I'm just trying to think, like, you trying to get a comparison of it? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to put it, put that into like feet, right? So it's you know obviously you divide that by twelve. Um, no, it can't be a hundred inches. Twenty-one by a hundred. I, I hear you. Fuck, man. So well, no, twenty-one. It'd be twenty-one inches by a hundred ring gauge. Oh, went right? the, I went the wrong way. Yeah. I yeah yeah I did Fuck, too. Man, man, we're idiots. <laughs> you hear it here first. I swear to God, we know what we're talking about. Twenty-one. All right, so twenty-one inch. I was like, a hundred inches is over six feet tall. It's like, there's no fucking way. Um, but I was like, all right, so twenty-one inches. It's almost three feet long. It's three inches shy of three feet long. Right. With uh, two, no, about an inch and a quarter in diameter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not three feet. It's almost two feet. Almost two feet. Sorry. Man, we suck at math. Yeah, How much have you been fun. drinking? Let me see your cup. Not enough. <laughs> I was doing better last night. <laughs> Divided by 12, not, Jesus, not by six, asshole. I'm over here looking at another cigar. It's like six by 50. I'm like, all right, cool. That's a foot. No, it's not. <laughs> Swear. Swear we know what we're talking about. Anyways. Almost two feet long, three inches shy of two feet long by a hundred ring gauge. So you're looking at almost an inch and a half. So my time of day of smoking that motherfucker would be uh... in the morning. <laughs> in the morning, and then I'll be done by dinner. <laughs> That's the okay. So I think that that type of cigar, right? I think yeah. that would be like if you're smoking like a brisket or some ribs or something like oh. a good. You're like literally out there for like eight hours, slow, like slow cooking a brisket, and you're like, I, I got nothing else to do but drink beer and watch this brisket. 
I, I, I agree with you. I didn't look at it that way. That is perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. That's four to five hours. That, that you know, they give you some time. You got to take like six bathroom breaks in there, depending on how much beer you're drinking or whatever. <laughs> I broke the seal. Yeah, I broke the seal. Sorry. I think I talked too much. I think my cigar almost went out. Uh, well, the the wrap it up. Uh, when you go to a brick and mortar and you have a good tobacconist or a great person working behind the counter, they'll he be able to help you. Good. They'll be able to help you out. They'll be able to, to gauge your level of cigar aficionado-ness. They'll be able to help you out with your flavor, your strength, and your finish. And they'll probably ask you questions like, how much time you got to smoke this cigar? And, yeah. you know, how much you're willing to spend? What, what's your budget like for a cigar? And they, they will help you out. Right. And they know their store, right? They have to stock that, it. So they know, yeah. they know where things are at. So, I, you know, I went into my brick and mortar and the lady asked me she goes uh can i help you can i help you find something and i was like uh yeah actually i was looking um i wanted to pick up an oscuro and i wanted to pick up a uh lancero i said i want to pick up a, a lancero and an oscuro um and she goes well oscuro is the color of wrapper and lancero is the size and i'm like no, right now i understand that but i want those cigars she goes well i don't think i have that in one cigar and i was like i'm not i was like an oscuro lancero i was like i'm not looking for an oscuro lancero i'm looking for an oscuro cigar and then i'm looking for a lancero cigar for a total of two different cigars i walked out with a total of four cigars so your budget was nice uh, well the wife approved two cigars and I said, "Fuck it." She already approved. She's approved cigars, so I just went. I ran, took the money, and ran. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm starting to get into my to my second third, and my flavor profile is changing on me. Yeah, I, I got a hit of something that's pretty good. Yep, yep. But I'm also ah, it's tunneling on me. What the hell, man? Look! 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 What, I see, I see that. I'm, I'm. I don't know what to tell you. Mine is burning perfect. That burn line is, oh, nice. So, point, point proven here, right? You guys yeah. hear, heard it here first. We're smoking the same damn cigar. Mine is canoeing a little bit, and his is not. It is definitely not. I, I have a question before we go into break because I'm just curious. Are you going to smoke through your band? Yes. I've never... So, in fairness, I've never smoked through the... Okay. For the people at home, if you've never seen a Leaf by Oscar, once you remove that outer wrapper and the outer band that holds the wrapper on there, it's a relatively big band, you you usually get revealed a smaller band along with a nice-looking cigar. So, the smaller band is made up of a paper... Um, it's like a printed tobacco like leaf or paper Homo homogenized tobacco yeah that's printed leaf by Oscar you it is safe to smoke through it um, and I've never done it I've never not once have I done it and I've smoked several leaf by Oscars so I want to try it and see if it changes the flavor at all, all right. just, just to make sure because I want to be clear 
not all cigar bands you can smoke through. There's a only a very select few cigar yes. bands that are designed to by nature through. to smoke through. And Leaf by Oscar is one of them. Yeah. Um, Amazon Basin That's by CAO. Yes. It doesn't even really have a band. It just has like a, a ring of tobacco around it and that's it. It doesn't even have a band per se on it. Yeah. Uh, Leaf by Oscar is one. There's a couple others, um, but yeah, yes. I can't think of them right now. But I just want to make make that known because I don't want someone burning up uh, one of those paper bands and was like, man, that leadership of the Leaf, they're awful. Listen, we already fucked up math on a royal scale. <laughs> uh. Math is not our strong suit, folks. Uh, cigars are a strong suit, and uh, apparently we just can't do the fucking math on cigars. <laughs> Throwing that out there. Uh, right. But let's take a quick break. Okay. Um, and then when we come back, we'll get into our second, third. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some crisis leadership. How to manage in a crisis. crisis. I like it. Crisis. I'm excited. All right. All right. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. I'm just uh, letting you know, if you want to see what kind of cigars that myself, Dice, and Austin, what we're smoking on each episode, check out our Instagram on Leadership of the Leaf. All one word. At Leadership of the Leaf. And please, leave us a comment. Send us a message with what other questions or what you guys are smoking on. Maybe you guys have some suggestions for us that we'd love to give it a shot at Leadership of the Leaf on Instagram. What's up, listeners? This is Jay St. Pierre, your outdoor adventures expert, YouTube channel, A Jeep Come True. Thanks for letting us in the air, nice, quick, and brief. Now let's get back to Leadership of the Leaf. All right, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Leadership of the Leaf. Uh, so, Dice, before we took our break, we were talking about how to choose the right cigar for you, right? And, right. and I think it's all very subjective, right? Everything there is, is yeah. subjective. Um, I, I just started, I'm, I'm about in my second, third. I just kind of like really got into it good. Um, and I got hit with white pepper. You sure it wasn't black pepper? I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no. So he's referring to a story that he, that uh, an individual came up and was talking and said, uh, we because we were talking about the aging room quattro and said, oh yeah, it's a white pepper bomb. And he goes, no, 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 you mean black pepper. And I said, no, it's white pepper. And he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> black pepper hits here on this t- part of the tongue and the black and the white pepper hits somewhere else. Bitch. I know what white pepper tastes like, and I know what black pepper tastes like. Uh, but it was no convincement, so I just moved forward because uh, what argue with a fool from a distance, no one can tell which one the fool really is. That's yeah, like, exactly. Whatever that saying goes, you guys yeah. know that saying, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I got second, third, second, third, white pepper. Still got that natural tobacco, which is delicious. Um, and and I still get a little bit of um, 
yeah, white pepper, natural tobacco, and a little bit of chocolate. So that, that's interesting that your, your chocolate is like coming in now, whereas my chocolate is diminished. It's oh, like okay. a milk chocolate. It's kind of diminished. Um, I've been hitting the Hennessy a little, little good through the break. So my citrus is a little increased. My natural tobacco is there. I'm getting uh, like a doughy kind of feel to it. Yeah. And motherfucker, I'm getting white pepper. Make sure it's not black. <laughs> why, why is it? Why is it got to be white pepper? That's that's what that's what this day is about. White pepper. Mm. All right. Fair enough. But crisis leadership. So that's what we're going to get into. I'm excited about this one because, you know, it, crisis leadership is something that, uh, you know, you, you never think about when you go into a leadership position. At least I didn't. Uh, I never was thinking like in there going, ah, I can't wait for my first crisis so I can actually like, <laughs> you know, be a badass and, and know exactly <laughs> what the fuck to do. I didn't think about it. I was just like, all right, I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, and then a crisis popped up and I was like, Oh shit. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? But a crisis, uh, you know, it's a, it's an event that interrupts an organization's normal operations, right? So natural disasters, political uprisings, disease outbreaks. We had COVID, COVID recently. Yeah. That's a crisis. <laughs> um, you know, look, look back at, uh, uh, at like, you know, wall street type things like where, Hey, the, the market's crashing and we're in crisis mode now stuff like that so they they can also result from internal practices right so if you fail to enforce safety protocols fail to enforce standards secure customer uh information like for their credit cards or their their addresses and stuff like that you know um it was back in like what 2016 or something i think it was like ashley madison the the affair <laughs> the affair that, kind of dating that's site the one you bring up you could use t-mobile and Nah. And all kinds of other ones, but you chose <laughs> Ashley Madison. It's <laughs> the first one that came to mind. I, I don't know why, but it did. Okay. Uh, you know, they had that, that well, I think it was because I heard it on the radio so much. And um, data breach. Yeah, they had their data breach. And so they were in like crisis mode for a while. Um, so, you know, it it's, that was not an internal practice. Somebody hacked their stuff, but um that stuff happens shit happens you know look at uh look at a hurricane look at a tornadoes um you know all these the, the freezes uh everything you know you gotta you gotta be able to handle anything that comes along your way any bumps in the road so crisis leadership is the basically the process of responding to that challenge to that event um and, and trying to prevent them from occurring in the future or at least being prepared for it right uh basically i take it to an effect of hurricanes because hurricanes come they come quite often they normally come almost the same areas every single time so what what did the state of florida do different this time what did louisiana do different after andrew katrina, katrina. yeah andrew was florida katrina was yeah. louisiana what did they do different right uh, you know, I, I know they reinforced the levies. They they had a little bit better response. They had this. They were a little bit more prepared in certain other aspects. Hey, if, the, if this happens, then we need to be more prepared to do this. Um, stuff like that. Um, you know, I've, I've been watching Masterclass, and I've been watching George W. Bush's Masterclass on leadership. And he was actually talked about uh, Hurricane Katrina and, and crisis leadership. And, uh, and he said, you know, 
uh, kind of something that really kind of stuck with me, but he said, uh, leaders, the only way to get experience in crisis leadership is to go through crisis. Oh, JT. Yeah. He said, there's, there's really no other way you could prepare as much as you want, but you know, preparing to do something is not the same as doing it. Hey, I'm as prepared as I can be, right? You hit 9-11 hits. He found lessons learned. He looked back, he goes, I, you know, he said, I was in Air Force One because he was at a school down in Florida doing a reading program um, when the when the airplanes hit the towers and the Pentagon. And he said, um, he goes, you know, I, I've tried to fly back to, to Washington and I was trying to get news footage and look at, look at, you know, the devastation, try to get all the information I could so I could formulate a plan. And he said the, the TVs, on Air Force One were cutting in and out. He goes, the, the picture was terrible. The signal was cutting in and out. And so he said, as soon as we landed, his chief of staff, he didn't say it, but his chief of staff was like, fix this now. You're telling me that our president, our commander in chief, couldn't get an accurate, good TV signal to watch information roll in? This is the leader of our country and he can't react in a crisis because of a fucking TV signal. The free world. Yeah. So stuff like that, you know, you got, you got lessons learned for, from that sort of stuff. Um, A crisis leader also need to emphasize uh, providing emotional support. They need to acknowledge concerns and maintain a clear communication throughout the whole crisis. Yeah. So step one, if you're a leader, You have to be calm. You have to project confidence, calm, because if you are, if you're freaking out and and in the corner crying in a fetal position, what is, (laughs) what are your workers going to do? What are, what are your workers going to do? What are your, what are your subordinates going to be doing? They're looking to you to set the example and you're over there crying in a fetal position. What what are they supposed to do? Right. So you got to withhold that initial reaction. Like he, like he was doing when, uh, when the planes hit. And they told him while he was reading the story, he didn't yeah. overreact. He didn't like get up and like, oh my God, kids. Nope. Yeah. F you guys. I got business to handle. No. Nope. And he got a lot of critique for that, which I disagreed with. Oh, of course, by, by popular demand, I was booed. But I mean, he did not show his initial reaction. He kept calm through the whole thing because he knew the cameras was on him and his emotion had to reflect a sense of calmness. Yeah. And then the next thing he had to do was make an address. If you go to any natural disaster, any disaster, the first thing that you always see is chief of police, chief of fire, governor, mayor, the president, whatever. They're making an address, giving you information and facts, not, oh my God, I can't believe we just did this. This is how I'm feeling. No. Hey, these are the facts that we know right now. And this is what we're doing to mitigate this. You know, and and you have to say that. You have to say something because if you don't say anything, if you don't fill that void, people are wired to the negative. It's it's an evolutionary trait, right? Fire, yeah. hot, that shit hurts. <laughs> hey, t- Timmy ate those berries and he died. I'm not gonna eat those berries. They remember the negative. So if you give them a void, they're obviously going to go straight to the negative. They're going to think what is the worst possible thing that could happen to us. And that's what they're going to assume is happening right there. Correct. Uh, what crisis leadership, you have to focus on the long-term implications of the challenging events that's ahead of you. 
You have to analyze the response. You have to revise and develop an effective plan to manage future crisis. And with the TVs and everything acting up on Air Force One, he wasn't able to get the data he was needing to make a sound decision. He wasn't getting a full picture of the information so he can have an effective plan to manage anything that will be happening in the future. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there, there's no shortcut for crisis management unfortunately there's nothing you can do but i've i've heard navy uh, special forces people they say you don't rise to an occasion there's that is a falsity don't ever think people oh this guy he rose to the occasion no he fell back on training cuz that's what you're going to regress to in a crisis situation you don't have time to sit there and think you have to usually act quickly what are you going to do in that situation? You're going to go with what you know. You're going to go with what you've prepared and practiced for and planned for. That's it. You don't rise to the occasion and do something heroic and amazing and everything else. That is not really going to be what's happening. You're going to fall back to what you know. This, it, your scenario brings me to actually two things. When you said practice a bunch of times, it made me think of Alan Iverson when he was like, practice? Practice. practice that's this, what this is about <laughs> we talk about practice we talk about the game <laughs> so I, I digress with that in my head then i move forward with you go you fall back on your laurels your training right so i've received cpr training for over 20 years yep and i still receive cpr training to this day number yep. of times that i use cpr zero, zero. <laughs> yeah but if i have to it's it's there you know, sweep the mouth and all the other crazy stuff that goes with yeah. you. Call nine one one. You do this. Like I, all that is there. It's there in a crisis situation, and I need to use my CPR training. It's going to come out. I don't have to yeah. really think about it. It's almost muscle memory because I've trained on it so much for so many different years. Yeah. So actually, we had a uh, <laughs> this uh, I think it was about two years ago now. Um, we had a, a meeting. Uh, I was I was just having a talk with a bunch of guys, like in our warehouse, and uh, they're all sitting there talking, talking. And it was early in the morning, and I was talking, talking, talking. And uh, I sat there and I noticed somebody kind of like they went pale, uh, and I like I saw their eyes roll back, and I rushed trying to catch him because I was like I need to catch this dude's head from banging off the floor. And while I did that. I didn't just say somebody. I literally shouted out the first name that I saw and was like, you, Snuffy, call 911 um, right now. And he, okay. And then he whipped out his cell phone, started calling 911, started getting it all squared away. Everybody else had no idea even what the hell I was talking about. And the dude fell and um, I, I caught, we were able to catch him. Um, because as soon as I did that and I was rushing forward, everybody else kind of like looked and they saw what was going on and tried, you know, make sure he kept, he didn't bounce his head off of the concrete. Um, but that was something that I, I've never, I, you know, that's yeah. the first time I've seen somebody literally pass out. And it was the immediate first thing that I did. I've trained. I have to say somebody's name to call 911. Cause if I just say, Hey, somebody called 911, it's, Everyone's gonna think somebody else is doing it. Correct. And that the uh, what's that? Standby. There's a word for that shit. Bystander. There you go. <laughs> you're, you're so good. Um, <laughs> so you know, 
it, you got to do that stuff. You got to project that calm, but you also got to, you got to give clear, concise dir- directions. You can't give it to more than one person because if I say, Hey, you know, Tim, go get the, the AED, the defib- defibrillator. And then, Hey, by the way, call 911. He's going to go, uh, 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 he'll just stop what he's doing and call 911. not going and getting the defibrillator because he's not thinking about it. People can only handle one thing at a time in a crisis. Right. You don't want to overwhelm the masses. Exactly. But uh, there's a there's a difference between crisis leadership and crisis management. Yes. And when I reviewed this, that, it was quite interesting because I was like, is there really a difference? Truly deep down? Yes. yes. The answer is yes. Yes. So leadership will see the events from a long-term perspective, right? Hey, what can I learn from this? How can I do better? What can I make sure this never happens again? Management goes, this is happening right now. I don't give a shit about three years from now. I care about the next 30 seconds. Correct. Uh, You're not thinking if there's a fire in your house, how can I prevent this fire from breaking out again two years from now? You don't give a shit. Your house is on fire. You're thinking, how the fuck do I put this out and save myself and my kids and my wife and all of my things? Correct. Uh, Leadership uh, leadership aspect of looking at like an electrical fire just shows that uh, the wire didn't have the proper covering or sheathing or whatever to prevent it from catching the wall on fire, right? So yeah. over time, the government or whoever else came up with the master plan, like by regulation, you have to have this thick gauge of a wire for certain situations. And that's part of the regulations now. Whereas far as a management uh, aspect would be, we just changed the wire back to exactly the same one it was. Yeah, we said, all right, yeah. Hey, that wire went bad. Eh, weird. It's probably old. Let's just put a new one in and we'll be good. Same thing. It's going to eventually do the exact same thing. Correct. Um, you know, you, you got to... Leadership takes learning from the process. Hey, what can I learn from this? What can I do to make this not happen again? Management goes, got it. This is how I'm going to fix it and I'm going to move the hell on because I don't have time to think about anything else. Well, I mean, with that scenario, leadership is proactive while management is more of reactive. Yeah. See, and I think I think everybody needs to flip-flop between management and crisis. In my personal opinion, crisis management is what you do in the moment. Then you take crisis leadership to get the, you the rest of the way through, and that's when you start looking at, all right, how do I prevent this from happening? What's my long-term solution how do I not do the deal with this again? How do I, you know, how do I prevent other stuff like this from happening? Yeah. Um, you know, leadership has uses communication. Um, management only communicates the responses in the plan. Hey, you, <laughs> you call nine one one. You catch that motherfucker from bouncing his head on the floor. I'm not thinking. I wonder if I could uh, prevent this from <laughs> happening. Maybe if I got everybody on a seat first. Make right. sure they had a good breakfast and, and drank water, I, you know. That's where the communication, the, the leadership com, uh, crisis communication comes into play because that part was already done by utilizing the training to make sure that you're prepared for that. And then the management kicks in when it's actually happening so you can take care of what's the response that you need right now. Right, right. So it, leadership has to involve the leaders, organizations, Communities as, communities as a whole, 
and they develop a plan of action to respond to what if this happens again. You can't stop hurricanes from happening in Louisiana, Texas, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Carolinas, all like all the coastal people, right? You can't prevent that stuff from happening. They're going to hit. Got it. How does the community as a whole come together and make sure that we mitigate as much of the disaster as possible and, and ease suffering as much as possible? Then management will come out when it actually happens and say, all right, here's the plan and here's the response as as laid out in the plan. Right, which, which is perfect because there's six components to affect, uh, I guess you would say, effective crisis leadership. Six of them. Six. It, yeah, the, the first one, it takes time and is necessarily can't always happen, but you want to have like early recognition. When right. They, you know, like when they say there's a hurricane forming in the ocean, hurricane Tommy is a... Uh, off the east coast right now yeah and, there's tropical uh, storm and yeah, yeah there's tropical storm and we project it to grow and it you know it could hit in this little cone of uncertainty right? right um so somewhere in this cone it's going to hit and um we need to be be careful of this stuff cool you're you're realizing that there is a crisis um and so then you start getting into let's call a state of emergency let's get all our line workers lined up ready to rock and roll so they can restore power as quickly as possible so we can get debris cleared out let's get our firefighters ready to rock and roll let's get you know the tree companies to help us you know um take away the the down power lines or the down trees and all this other stuff if you live in this area you're definitely getting hit and you should evacuate this area do not stay evacuate so that's the early recognition. That's where the, the leadership of a crisis is actually trying to be proactive by telling people to evacuate, by getting his ducks in a row. Yeah, right. Implement an effective leadership style by practicing early recognition. The second one is bounded optimism. So when I talk about bounded optimism, that refers to having a positive attitude while acknowledging the severity of the crisis. You look at wildfires in California, Right. They're like, hey, we think we're going to have this under control and it'll be put out in the next 36 hours. However, there's always a chance for it to jump and we're, we're not going to forget those who are already in, who already have been damaged by its path. You know, you got it. Yes, I understand. This is a severe crisis, but I think we have we'll have it under control and out within the next 36 hours. That's my optimistic view on this when you said fire it made me think of like let's let's say there's a fire at the office building or whatever and instead of going oh my god the building's on fire everyone should run and run get the fuck out instead of doing it that way you'd be like hey there's a problem that's happening on the east wing if we could have everyone in an orderly fashion uh let's uh make our way out the west side and we'll gather in the parking lot and do a head count make sure nobody's missing yeah i mean calm confident calm as opposed to yelling and making it seem way worse than it actually is. Right. You don't want to incite a, a panic. Um, but, you know, if somebody just yells, fire! Everyone's going to first stand up and look in the direction of the person who just yelled fire. They're not moving anywhere. They're, right. huh? They're <laughs> meerkats. Yeah, what? Did, did he just say fire? Yeah. And then when the reality sets in uh, 15 seconds later, they're trucking it to the door <laughs> and stampeding over people. 
hopefully it's the right direction yeah, hopefully um when a clear communication comes into play right i was i grew up in oklahoma we had tornadoes that's tornado alley we would practice um sheltering from tornadoes and then how we had to do it and everything else and i had to shelter several times from tornadoes i never got hit thank goodness but we had to sit there and do it and as soon as there was a uh, siren that was going off that's like hey tornado is it's on its way it was everybody stand up get outside in the hallway uh and and duck and duck behind this stuff okay cool and that's so that's what we did teachers knew it we knew it we've practiced it good to go but they're like no it's not hitting us we're just taking precautions um leadership crisis you got to be parent with your communication leaders who withhold information essentially are shooting themselves in the foot because this breeds mistrust and uncertainty like i i don't know to believe this guy now what the fuck is he talking about right so i i always go back to to president bush right after 9-11 he even says in his master class i had information that the american public did not know could not know and i had to make decisions based off of this information that they didn't know that the general public didn't know it was classified it was whatever they don't want to push this out to the masses because you know if we're getting you know uh if if we're we're being listened to right we're being monitored they don't want to you know let tip the enemies off. know yeah they don't want to let them off. so but they they he tried to be as transparent with his communication as possible but because he made decisions based off of information everybody else didn't know he got a lot of flack for it people were saying that it couldn't believe him why would he do this i don't trust him anymore and he took a lot of heat for it um so absolutely you got to be transparent with your communication you can't hold back well, everything. in his case transparent as much as possible exactly in his case but for majority of like a crisis situation uh you can let out as much information that you feel is going to be necessary to get your point across yeah um yeah perhaps the most essential element uh of crisis leadership is clear and trustworthy keyword trustworthy communication uh if they don't trust you right uh, look yeah. at Exxon. They didn't. They didn't trust those individuals after that, right? Hey, uh, something's happening, and we need to uh, just destroy all of our files. Oh, oh, sorry, Exxon. Enron. Enron. Yeah. When you use Exxon, the oil. No, en- Enron. Yeah, BP. Yes. It was BP. Well, BP had the oil spill, but yeah, stuff like that. Where there, you know, if you try to hide it, that company got lost a lot of trustworthy. Uh, you know they, they had bad publicity um, but then you know the next thing is, is you got to establish priorities well I, I would assume I would hope everyone their first priority is of course uh, the safety and the well-being of the people right you got to make sure their emotional and mental health are taken care of because those once they're physically safe that is the very next thing that they're going to be that they they need all right they're physically safe and taken care of let's now worry about our emotional and mental health because you know it, let's let's say it's a natural disaster they may have just lost everything 
they have lost everything. And I don't know how many times you, you look at a, a news story of, let's say, a tornado, right? And there's people p- trying to pick up their lives because they just got blasted by a tornado. Their entire house and all their goods just got picked up and thrown across a five-mile area. And they're, I don't know where anything is. And, and they're just in shock. They don't know how to deal with it. Right. Uh, and I've seen uh, when people lost like their whole house or a whole apartment complex or whatever. That's when the community comes together and their emotional support actually is uh, where, you know, the community comes together and invites them into their homes or provide another stable living environment for them until like they can get back on their feet or get a better understanding or grip of what's actually happened. Yeah, um, I see it a lot. With, with like tornadoes and stuff, right? Because that's where I, what I know. Um, the first thing a lot of people looked for was their pets. Mm. If they didn't already have their pets, that was the very, very first thing that they looked for. I don't know where my dog is. I don't know. I, I and they, they, if they found them, they'd break down in tears because they had the member of another member of their family, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, they're they're safe or whatever," and it was great. Uh, but another example, you know, COVID just recently happened, so. You know, the a lot of companies close their stores. Hey, we're not we're not open. Uh, we can't do this, but we're going to modernize our website and make it easy to order, and we'll make it easier to ship. And we're going to focus on that, so that way you guys can still get our goods. Well, yeah, uh, especially for like an organization or a company or a business or something like that. Of course, that's going to be like your second secondary like priority is to like get things up and running again because that's going to essentially help the people out as well because uh, now that you're you're closing the doors now people are losing paychecks i need to think outside the box so maybe upping my website maybe i do uh takeout and that's where uber eats and all these other food delivery Door places kind of sh- yeah they kind of shine because a lot of these restaurants couldn't remain open they couldn't have the doors open but they can still have people working in the kitchen right yeah, I saw um, a, a local company down here, a local restaurant down here. They had a they part in, in down here in Florida, Northwest Florida. Uh, it's a place called McGuire's. And uh, what they did is they they built a little trailer out front. They parked it and you could draw, you could walk up, order your food. They would cook it back in the kitchen and they'd bring it out to you and say, here you go. Here's here's your food, and they, then I could take it and go home and have uh, you know have the meal that I want. Um, it was made it easy, and then all you know if we tipped, all a hundred percent of the tips was shared amongst all of their servers because the servers were missing paychecks. They were missing waiting on tables. They weren't getting paid as much, so they were sa- sharing tips with everybody that wasn't working. And and to me, uh, that crisis man, that leadership of that crisis it showed that it was taking care of the people and it was taking care of their organization as well. So it yeah. was like a two folds. So kudos to whoever was leading that. Yep. Um, but if you're not able to take care of stuff, you have to be, and this, another one is you have to ask for additional support, help, other help. Some leaders strive to retain power during a crisis, right? Uh, yeah. But seeking that other, that outside help is usually pretty beneficial, super helpful. You can contact the industry experts and advice for advice managed on managing the situation. Delegate responsibilities to other stakeholders. Uh, you can incorporate customer and employee feedback 
into your response plan. Hey guys, this is what happened. This is how we handled it. I think we could have handled it better. What do you guys think we could have done better? What do you think we did terrible at? What do you guys think we did good at? And how can we improve? Well, yeah, I mean, with your Maguire's, uh, that scenario, maybe how they was performing with that trailer out front, maybe that was so well that they probably incorporate that into the actual business plan because it was, it worked so well and people enjoyed it as much. Like maybe I don't want to sit down and eat. Maybe I'm, I'm happy to be able to walk up to this trailer and not have to go inside and wait and see everybody enjoy, like wh however they want to work. But I mean, it could be something that they incorporated if they receive positive feedback from the whole thing. They, they actually, so funny thing, they still have it there <laughs> really? and yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, they have, they have a special drink. It's their own, uh, proprietary drink. They call it, uh, it's, it's called an Irish wake. Um, I've had one on air and, uh, oh, yeah, they, I remember. Yeah. Um, it's green. So I had it for St. Patty's day, but, uh, they still have it. And they were actually selling Irish wakes and Mason jars. They take electrical tape and tape it up. So it wasn't considered an open container. And, uh, and then, so they were, they were putting them out. So they left that out there. And now during busy times, they have a, a bartender just sitting out there taking orders for to goes and making drinks. So it's basically like an outside bar now. So people can walk up while they're waiting. They don't have to go inside and try to fight for other patrons to, you know, to try to get a drink. They literally just go out to this, this trailer, um, and get what they want and it's wonderful and everyone loves it so they just made it a normal part of their um their repertoire yeah so during their challenging times we're doing the covid and all that they uh, received positive feedback from their trailer and they was able to incorporate it so that that's willingness to seek additional support on the head yep uh yeah you got to acknowledge the various ideas demonstrate your organization respects public input right by doing the trailer, let's say, and give people a sense of purpose during that challenging time. Hey guys, we did this. I'd like to keep this going. What do you guys think? Who can I put in charge to make this even better? Boom, you just gave somebody more responsibility and now I have a sense of purpose throughout this whole time and now I'm now I'm even happier. And that fits in well with adaptability, mm. which is number six. A good crisis leader is tend to be adaptable and allows uh, allows them to revise the response plans as the situation develops. You can plan all day until the cows come home. You can do it. But the minute your plan meets some resistance, you need to be able to change your plan and, and move in the direction that is best for your company. If you're staunch and, and you dig your heels in um, and you're against that, you're going to fail, period. It I've seen business close those doors because of they, they refuse to adapt. They refuse to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. You got to analyze the effectiveness of your current approach and make your necessary adjustment to prepare for the future. Take away the lesson. Readiness is your key, but you got to, you got to learn, learn from the lessons. I like to, I always like to sit there. If there's a, a crisis after the crisis is over, I try to pull in all the people that were involved with the crisis and go, all right, I feel like we could have done a little bit better. What do you guys think? Where did we fail? Where did we do good? And how can we make it better in, in the future? And again, that, that's a plan for the future, but that next crisis might be just attached different. And I need to be able to change 
that plan that I made came up with, I have to change it to now suit this new uh, crisis. Yeah, uh, to adapt. Like, I'm gonna put it on a very small scale. It's not a crisis. I'm gonna put it on a small scale to try to dice dummy term it up. So my kid's learning, was learning to ride a bike. Okay. And of course she fell, so, yeah. fell to the left. So, you know, desktop, get back on the bike, do this whole thing. But before she started trying again, I was like, so I'm just asking, what did you learn from falling to the left? I was leaning too much to the left. Perfect. You learned from that. And then of course she leaned too more to the right. And eventually we got there, we got there. But I asked, what did you learn? What did you take away? What lessons did you take away from falling on your bike the first time? Yeah. And then, and, and then she she leans too far to the right, falls over to the right. Okay, <laughs> now now what did you learn? I learned too much to the right. Okay, so you've leaned too much to the left. You've leaned too much to the right. So what are you going to do now? Oh, I'm going to try to stay more upright. Oh, probably a good <laughs> idea. That's a great plan. Now her readiness was uh, there. She was ready. Like I know not to lean to the left. I know not to lean to the right. I got to try to balance this in the middle. Her readiness was the key to the right path of making sure she can ride a bike. Right. And that's, and that's important. Um, you know, it, if she had said, uh, I just leaned too much to the left and then as she falls to the right and she goes, I just can't, now I got to lean. I just, I, I obviously I'm trying not to lean too much to the left. Well, okay, cool. But you're falling to the right now. Well, obviously I'm falling to the right. So I'm going to start, I'm going to lean even harder to the right. No. <laughs> You got to adapt. <laughs> that was the key thing. I, I was, I'm glad she didn't say, well, I, I was leaning to the left again. That's why I fell. So, okay. Come on, kid. <laughs> but th- that didn't happen. She, she didn't, it didn't happen. She, she's good now. Good. But yeah, it, you know, it's, but that adaptability, you got to, you know, one of my favorite sayings is improvise, modify, adapt, and overcome. Correct. You know, you got to, you got to be able to modify and adapt that plan to fit your current needs all right so we covered those six effective things i believe i believe they were pretty good yeah i think so um our listeners out there we covered the six effective things is there something that you want to add in there or please maybe we forgot something hit us up on uh instagram leadership of the leaf all one word dm us email however you want to reach out comment whatever let us know Uh, there's there's so many things that we try to cover and we try to we try to hit the 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 major points but if you're like hey these guys completely skipped over this last one which is you know whatever like oh let us know we love to hear from you guys but as of right now sir i must let you know my final third here i have smoked through the band have you made it to your band i i have i'm actually about halfway through it i i actually i kind of cheated a little bit and i push my band up i want to make sure i hit it while we was on air i'm curious what are you getting from your band Uh, so i didn't get a whole lot of extra flavor from what i could tell uh it didn't change significantly uh or or it didn't like punch me in the face like hey (laughs) you're in the band now um (laughs) but i will say that uh that I got a little bit more uh, fragrance in the in the smoke. I definitely got more fragrance. I was wondering if he was going to say that. 
yeah, the the smoke has hit me, and I'm like, oh, that's a lot more fragrant than it was before. Um, I believe it's. I believe the correct term is bouquet. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with my word. Um, but it's 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 good. Uh, for the first time smoking through the band, it's very good. It's it's interesting. I was I was afraid that the ink was gonna make it taste funky. <laughs> funky, huh? The funky technical term. <laughs> All right, we'll go with funky then. No, it, actually, it, I don't think it changed it much myself. Uh, if, if I had to say anything, it brought a little more earth to it. Uh, but that could be due to the fragrance or the bouquet that I was getting as I was smoking through it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's very good. Uh, it turned my ash extremely white. Yeah, mine has been this entire time. Actually, I've been getting really, really pissed off with my ash. Um, because it's super flaky and not dense and packed. Mm. It's been like loose. So it's been flying off anytime I move my hands and I tend to talk to my hands. Um, it's been like flying off and I've got Nash on my, like on, on my phone and on my jeans and stuff. And I, <laughs> I keep blowing it off. But, um, it's, it's yeah, a little bit more white ash. Um, but it's, it's very good. Still, I got white pepper and, uh, that natural tobacco flavor still. Natural tobacco flavor is, is there and it's good. I fucking love it. Uh, definitely, I, I would say mine was a little more earthy. The pepper is still a very undertone for me. Uh, retro and hell, just a little. And that's where the pepper really, really came out for me. Um, I'm still getting citrus notes and I'm going to chalk that up to my, my cognac, my Hennessy. And there's still a slight doughy I don't know if I just don't want to let that go. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes once you get something in your head, you're like, mm, okay, this is what it is. And it's hard to hard to change. All right. So now it poses to this question. Leaf by Oscar, Sumatra. One, five, or a box? A box all day. All day. All day. <laughs> not even a yeah. question. I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to disagree with you at all i would definitely buy a box of these in a heartbeat yeah um leaf by oscar is probably one of my favorite smaller brands i don't want to call it boutique but it, it's a it's not a huge brand it's not like alec bradley or romeo y julieta or my father or or you know some of these um arturo fuente you know some of these big brands um but it's it's small but they do what they do and they do it very well. Well, my problem with calling a brand boutique, right? I, I have no problem with it. That if they're a boutique brand, they're a boutique brand. But let's say, like Leaf by Oscar, let's say it's blowing up. Every, not everybody knows Leaf by Oscar, but it's, it's definitely more popular now than it was two years ago, right? Oh, yeah. So two years ago, you were 100%, you wouldn't even question it. You'd be like, oh, uh, Leaf by Oscar, it's a boutique brand. Right. But now, that has been around for a while. People are recognizing it. It's getting a little more popular. Can they still hold that name as being boutique? I don't know if that I would call them boutique anymore. I definitely call them a niche type okay. brand. They, like I said, they do what they do very well. Uh, they only have four, right? About four different cigars. They have a, a Connecticut, a Habano, the Sumatra, and 
So they well, have one more. That's just a leaf. He right. Has, he has. He's, well, he's definitely expanded. Yeah. I'm just saying the, almost, the leaf by Oscar Brand. A, a, a Lancero. Yeah. That'd been interesting. I don't know. About, I don't know. I'd try that. I'd try it, but um, I just don't. I don't think I'd call them boutique anymore. Well, this I'm I'm going over time now. When I think of boutique, I, I compare it to like underground music, right? Like mm-hmm. 50, 50 Cent is great. Fifty Cent started underground. Like if you want to listen to Fifty Cent, you had to pick up one of his mix CDs by chance, by luck, however you want to get your hands on it. That's the only way you was going to hear Fifty Cent. And now. You wouldn't consider 50 Cent Underground no way at all. No, the motherfucker did a Super Bowl halftime show. There's no way you would consider him uh, Underground. So that that's what leads by Oscar. I think he's on a 50 Cent trajectory. Nope, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, yeah, very good. Solid smoke. Uh, definitely enjoyable. If you guys haven't tried it, by all means, go out there. Get some. Try it. Let <laughs> us know. Let us know what flavor notes you guys get from the band. Uh, let us know what you guys think about this, about these cigars. And uh, yeah, hit us up at Leadership of the Leaf on Instagram. Yes, sir. All right. All right. And this has been a, a great episode. I've enjoyed this episode thoroughly. All right. And until next time. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Austin. And I'm Dice. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast this show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates. Don't forget, we need to follow the podcast so we know when new episodes drop.